0: What's going on, y'all? This is Zach with Living Corporate. And look, I'm really, really excited about 2021. Lord say the same. I'm going to be here and we're going to have some stuff. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about what we're going to be sharing with y'all. What I want to do, though, before we get to 2021 is really still embrace the fact that we're not in 2021 yet. Right. Like we're in the last month of a crazy year and we want to kind of like book in this year and celebrate this year by doing something called 12 days of podcasts. So we're dropping a podcast every single day for the next 12 days to wrap up the year and make sure that the content, some of the interviews that we had earlier this year, that we couldn't fit into our regular schedule because this was not a regular year, gets heard and absorbed and appreciated. So we're going to check in and tap in to our next interview, but not before we tap in with Tristan. You see what I did there? A little bit of, you know, I'm saying, what's the word transition? Pivot. Anyway, catch y'all in a second.
1: What's poppin' y'all? It's Tristan Layfield of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. Today we're going to talk about how to find a job in a new location. Sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we want or need to move to a new city, but one of the hardest things to narrow down is a new job. So I'm going to provide a few suggestions to get you well on your way. Number one, localize your hiring info. Maybe you have an address in the new city or maybe you have a friend that will allow you to use theirs. Put that on your resume and application. Recruiters narrow down their searches using geographical locations And many in larger cities rarely entertain out-of-state candidates. So by changing your address, you have a better chance of being seen. This tip also applies to your LinkedIn profile. And if you're worried about your phone number giving you away, then get a Google voice number with a local area code. Number two, attend regional conferences and events. Many organizations that have national conferences typically host regional conferences and events as well try to get to the city and attend those as they will be filled with people who are in your industry and in the city you're trying to move to. So make some connections and then begin leveraging them by setting up informational interviews, fostering real relationships, and maybe even asking for a referral. Number three, spell out your move in your cover letter. So for those who can't localize their info or can't get to those regional conferences and events, you want to spell out your move in your cover letter. Many employers may assume that you are just seeking relocation fees, which you might be, or that you are just sending your resume across the country. So you want to make sure that you calm their fears by starting your cover letter with something like, as I prepare for my cross-country relocation to XYZ City. This is short, sweet, and gets the job done up front. Finding a new job in a new city can be a tad bit difficult, but if you prepare before going on your job search, you can make the process a bit more manageable and potentially land that job in the city where you want to move. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
0: Tosca, Cedric, what's going on? Hey, what's
2: Good going morning. on? Good morning. Good
0: morning. Listen, one, I'm just really thankful and excited to have both of y'all here. Let's talk a little, let's just get right into it, right? Like both of y'all came together and y'all created um, a film, um, a documentary, um, a docu film. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not y'all. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, that's this is not my space, but I want to give y'all some space to talk a little bit about this content that you created, this visual experience you created. Um, that really gets into the lived experience of black professionals um, in a variety of different working contexts and like you know what brought that on like just give it to me like let's let's do a bit of just background on um, how this came to be what y'all are doing and 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 where it's gone so far
3: I would say that um, the motivation for creating this film came from mostly Cedric. Experience in the um, the social justice activist circles. I'm not part of that circle, um, but Cedric is, and um, I've tagged along, you know, before and been in uh, meetings or you know, uh, uh, I guess conferences or meetings or any kind of engagement with Black people where the conversation was based on um, the improving the lives of Black people or uh, improving or, you know, um, eliminating injustices, um, empowering black people. So that was typically the topic. And there were some times when the source of our issues was not um, addressed or wasn't even mentioned. Um, and when I say the source, I mean white supremacy or the or the belief that white people are supreme or white people's belief that they are. Uh, supreme um, and colonization and anti-blackness um, and just whiteness uh, was never really brought up. Well, not never really brought up, but oftentimes not brought up. And I just remember Cedric and I having a conversation about that, um, especially after one event that he um, that he was engaged in, but I wasn't there. And he would, he would say, or he did say. They just didn't get to the root of this. They just didn't talk about the root of why we have these issues. And so at that time we discussed, you know, why don't we just, you know, make movies? Why don't we just create our own art so we can address the elephant in the room um, and be truthful and be authentic? Um, And, you know, our Cedric and I really are big on healing. And so we just don't we don't feel that you can heal. Without um, addressing, you know, what is harming you and 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 causing you trauma, which in in this case, in most cases in the world, would be uh, white supremacy. Um, and we and we also felt as though um selecting, working while black or uh, being black folks in the work environment would be a pretty universal theme. Um, most people over the age of sixteen work, and we felt like we could probably get a good population of people to uh talk to us uh we we did feel like it was going to be difficult but not as difficult with such a broad um a source you know as, as as working and then the other thing was it's personal and i know cedric probably you know cedric does have personal stories but mine was pretty fresh because i actually went to the eoc and i worked for a nonprofit, um and you know nonprofits are seen as this you know you know philanthropic good you know loving place to work well it wasn't for me, and I you know I worked for um a place in Houston called Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast, and um you know my oppressor was you know that organization and a woman named Louisissa Lindsay and um justice was not served, you know, um, and so I just felt very personal making this film, and that's why it's so important um to me,
2: and just to add on to that zach um and yeah, pretty much uh, Tosca kind of sums that up- very well. Um, You know, I, I did do a lot more activist type activities, I was involved in some social justice initiatives, uh, I was with an organization called Houston Justice Coalition. We worked on criminal justice reform in regard to grand jury reform and was able to get some things passed in Texas, uh, where we were kind of an integral part of that uh, in regard to to changing the grand jury system in in seven of the largest counties in Texas. Uh, going from a, what they called the a pick a pal system to a randomized uh, way of picking uh, grand juries. Um, you know, and so uh, we just got tired of, of going to these like, you know, these panels that you go to the churches or you go to these panels where they, you know, put the flyer, the digital flyer out there and you think you're going there to try to find some solutions or, you know, get to the central core of the issues. And one particular incident for me, it was a—it it actually happened to be a—a a, a, a creative expression in regard to um, the system of patriarchy and masculinity. And I'm like, you know, I came away from it thinking, like, how can you not, you know, talk about rape culture? How can you not uh, talk about toxic masculinity? and, and, and peel those layers back in that regard, if you're going to deal with this type of quote, ism or system. And that was kind of the last straw, uh, you know, when I would go to these panels, you know, you would have, you know, mayors up there and policemen and, and city council members and all this kind of stuff. They're like, oh, Houston's different. And, you know, we don't have these issues in regard to police brutality and all this kind of stuff. And you're sitting there going, yes, you do. You know, like, like, are y'all really taking this in? Like, is this like, you know, some kind of like putting a, a salve on a situation, trying to put a bandaid on a huge situation that has dire consequences for black bodies. And so uh, with that, you know, it's really funny. Um, when we came up with the name to be us, we we, we made the decision to uh, create this uh, production company. Uh, we were sitting there and Tosca has somewhat of a, a astrological background. Uh, she's she's probably would consider herself the weird one weird one of the group where I'm this kind of like you know straight lined uh, straight laced person if you will and it's a great contrast that works but we you know she was coming up with like the you know different kind of names and we were trying to you know uh, astrological sign leo moon productions and I was coming up with like you know ebony productions and you know something that was very uh, very binary if you will and very linear Uh, and we just got frustrated and we were like, I just sat back and I said, I said, you know, Tosca, I just want people to realize what it's like to be us. And no sooner than I ended saying what I said, she said, that's it. I was like, what? She said, no, that's the name of the company. She's like, to be us, to be us productions. And we massaged it briefly and came to a consensus, like immediately, you know, pretty immediately and said it's to be us productions. And it just, it was so organic and it made so much sense uh, it was central to the core of what we wanted to do in, in centralizing black stories, uh, elevating uh, those stories that are kind of shrouded in shame, uh, those stories that that aren't uh, covered, and get to the root, get to the wound, get to the scab, remove the scab of those stories surrounding black bodies. An interesting note: Tosca talks about her personal experience, and with that, Zach, you know, she doesn't talk about how literally at her job, uh, Larissa Lindsay, the young lady that that copied her Facebook posts off of her uh, Facebook timeline, took it to her uh, HR person that Tosca worked under and brought it to the attention of the HR person and they they had to have a meeting. Now, mind you, her posts were about white supremacy and, and uh, her coworker Larissa uh, found that offensive. And thought that you know this was a you know uh, a violent act towards her, and they needed to have these meetings and so forth. And the the ironic thing about it, Zach, was that the organization that Tosca worked for, uh, she had just come from the national conference of the organization that was the 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 overriding body of the affiliate where she was working, and the topic of the conference was white supremacy racism and other isms that people have to deal with literally that was the topic of the of the conference so she got literally ostracized for something that was going on with her own company i mean like it it just it it, it's it's mind-blowing so we decided to make this film and the film to be us to work which is a documentary highlights this kind of cross-section of black folks experience with um systemic racism in the workplace.
0: So, you know, I was one of the few that was blessed to see the film early, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, and I, I was able to sit down and watch all of these folks share their stories uh, of their experiences at work um, and what it's like to be us. Talk to me a little bit about the process to get those interviews and coordinate and and what that journey looks like. And then also what the reception of the film has been so far?
2: You know, Zach, it was a very interesting process. Um, once we made the decision to make the movie a working while black movie, um, again, we had to go out and try to you know, recruit black folks to, to, to come and tell their stories. Now, we knew most likely it was not going to be hard. And Tosca alluded to this earlier. It's not going to be hard to get people that have these stories, get black folks to have these stories, because it's always something that we kind of you know, whether it was with our co- uh, 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 our friends or Black co-workers, where we always kind of use that phrase, you know, it is what it is, you know, and we just kind of go from there. We kind of throw it in the is what it is bucket, and we don't really deal with it. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, your rights of passage of being a, a Black person uh, navigating this uh, very oppressive and racist world. And one of the aspects of that, or a shard of that, if you will, is in the work environment. And so we put out flyers. We put out digital flyers. We went to churches. Uh, we went to black spaces, and literally, in kind of a, a guerrilla tactic, and it, it sounds kind of odd, but I, t- I had a I had a little like spiral uh, black notebook with a pen. So imagine me going to uh, black spaces, you know, black restaurants or uh, black lounges, uh, black clubs uh, that black folks frequented, and having this notebook and asking them these questions of you know. Um, and I, I kind of would always preface it by like, you know what, if I said, you know, driving while black, you know what that means. And of course, with police brutality, the way it is. And, you know, we kind of know that phrase has been kind of like the the staple of what we understand as, as what it's like to be uh, pulled over by the cops because you know you are driving while black. And so, and then I would invariably say, you know, well, what if I said working while black? And how does that, how does that hit you? Where does that hit with you? And if I'm talking to four people at a table, <laughs> They, you know, invariably one person would be like, you know, I really don't have any stories like that. I don't have any like, you know, stories of, of you know, racism at work or anything like that. But the other three did. And they would say, OK, yeah, I have a story. And I, and I said, look, I'm doing a research project. Um, would you mind sharing your stories? And they did. And what was so weird about it was once the other three people shared their stories or four people out of five people, that other person would go, you know what? I do have a story. And and with that, that kind of shows kind of how we internalize it. I think a lot of us do that. You know, we kind of just brush it off until it's kind of dug up. Because, like I said before, we put it in that, in that uh, it is what it is bucket that our kind of parents always told us. Like, you know, in, in this life, it is what it is. And we never really deal with it. And so, um, I mean, I probably have, Zach, 40 stories in this spiral. And I don't think any of the people that I actually interviewed in that kind of guerrilla tactic method are actually in the film, maybe one person, but, but, um, we were quite surprised to get the people who we got to show up because we didn't, we really, the, the, the day of shooting the day that, was the day that these people told their stories. It wasn't like we said, okay, we got a hundred stories. We got 50 stories. Let's screen these stories and see which ones we want. No, the day of filming was their first day telling the stories. Um, our job as filmmakers, our job was to set up an environment that allowed them to feel comfortable, to feel uh, maximally you know vulnerable uh, to tell their stories. I can't tell you the the, the tension that was in the air, the anxiety uh, as they sat in their chairs, the, the storytellers of the movie sat in their chairs and were getting ready to tell their stories, looking out at it, you know four cameras and lights and people moving and so forth. And you know, uh, c- certain numbers of times we had to just say, "Hey, let's just stop. Are you ready? Are you okay? Do you feel comfortable?" You know, and let them kind of control uh, the environment. It's kind of hard to do as a filmmaker director. Um, you're you're supposed to be in the in the control, as myself and 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 um, Tosca, but we allowed them to feel maximally secure and ready to tell their story. Uh, so it was a very arduous process. Um, it was also a process to be honest, uh, Zach, that took a toll on me. Uh, I'm pretty sure in some ways it was cathartic for, uh, Tosca from her experience, but, and, and for me, but because I was so entrenched in the research of it, because I was so entrenched in getting those stories, I was finding myself, um, becoming irritable, uh, We would have our production pre-production meetings and i would be you know cranky and you know just hard to deal with you know and i'm pretty sure Tosca was like over there shaking her head like yeah he was and so what was happening was well i think early one morning like two o'clock in the morning i called tosca i said tosca i have been internalizing the stories because as you can imagine weekend after weekend after weekend trying to recruit people over a three you know four week period i'm regurgitating these stories i'm internalizing these stories and they started taking a toll on me, and and that that part of the process surprised me, but uh, it's something that uh, you know I'll never forget, and and kind of appreciate going through because it, it 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 let me know and let us know that we were centered on something that we needed to to make this film a creative uh, expression for.
0: That's incredible. You know, it's interesting that you bring up, you talk a little bit about like the impact it had on you personally. I know as someone, just as a viewer. It was heavy to watch, right? Like just back to back to back. These really like just traumatic stories.
2: And I think, I think that what people don't realize is that the word trauma is not an overstatement. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, it's, you know, people want to throw up their hands like, ah, it really wasn't that bad. But yes, it is. It literally is what happened to Tosca in her working environment, what's happened to me in my own personal working environment. I happen to be a physician where, you know, God, I couldn't tell you number of times I get Uh, You know, are you a real doctor? You know, like when is the real doctor coming into the room? You know, and I got my white coat on with big letters saying medical director. You know, it's it's crazy. Um, So, yeah, seeing seeing uh, their stories come alive and seeing even quite frankly, the reactions of people who've seen it, uh, first and foremost, are our storytellers. We had like a private screening for them because, as you can imagine, they know what their story is they they knew they came in and told their interview you know did their interview but they don't know who the other people are they they have no idea who else is on the film so to see their reactions after seeing the film of going you know I thought I was the only one I work in construction or I do this and I thought I was dealing with a lot of racism on my job and and now that I see an educator or a PhD uh uh academician or a doctor or uh, 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 an IT guy or a laborer, you know, dealing with these issues, they were like, I was, they were blown away. And they had this kinship that they could literally see on film now. And they also, to a person, kind of let us know how cathartic it was for them, how healing it was for them, you know, because a lot of times it was their first time being able to even tell this story. And so, you know, we're very humbled by that. Um, At the film festivals, uh, we've been in, we've gotten into 10 film festivals and we've gotten great receptions on, you know, and feedback on the film festivals. Just, just getting into a film festival, Zach, for those, the audience who who don't know the film festival kind of anatomy of it, it's very difficult. I mean, you're talking about some film festivals looking at, you know, 4,000 films and you're one of a hundred films that get in and... Fortunately, and to our su- to our surprise, to be quite honest, we got. I, I didn't think we thought we would win a film festival, like Best of Picture or Best of Film Festival, but we were to we happened to have won one at the uh, International Black Film Festival, that was held in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, I cannot tell you how excited we were, how blown away we were. Just, I mean. The fact that somebody saw this creation that we made and thought that it was so impactful that they chose it as the best film of a festival that, you know, initially saw thousands of films. And then of the hundred films of the particular film festival, we happen to be the best one is, is you know, I'm just humbled by it. So, yeah, just just very ecstatic.
0: So let me ask you both this, you know. What is it? that you want folks to get out of this film where where do you want it to go like what's your vision for this
3: i have a few answers for that question i know that my main reason for filming this is to give people permission um i'm really big on liberation i'm I'm giving people permission to be authentic uh again healing um Uh, being able to see that other people have experienced what you've experienced or have a similar experience to you um, is the first step to healing. Um, I know that just from my past uh, positions and jobs, I've learned that if you ask people questions, they tend to want to answer you. And I feel like that uh, uh, many of our storytellers were never asked this. And like Cedric says, You know, it is what it is. Black people don't talk about this because it just is what it is. Racism is what it is. And so no one's ever asked somebody directly, what is your working while black story? Because it's so common for us. So what I want people to get out of is a source of healing, um, a a source of of feeling heard, being centered, your story being centered, uh, not feeling that you have to uh, couch or have caveats to what is going on um, in your life, it is racism. It is white supremacy. It is whiteness, and it needs to be called out. Um, and I, so, I hope that that you know people viewing it will you know will will feel that way. Um, the other thing I want, I, I would like more people to see it. I would definitely like um, you know to have a distribution deal uh, to even be able to show it in theaters again that was our plan you know we wanted to go to film festivals in person we wanted to show our film in theaters have a premiere um all, you know those things and we just aren't able to do that during a pandemic so we do want black people to see this um because we feel like it would be a healing presence in their lives
2: i couldn't agree more with that yeah i think obviously we would like like you said to get a distribution deal um, obviously, we like more people to see it. We want Black people to see it specifically. However, you know, everybody can see it and, and take from it what they want. I mean, there's a healing process for white folks that, need to, that needs to happen, too. They got a lot of stuff to deal with in regard to, hey, look, you need to see what you're doing. And, and so part of the film as well, Zach, is that we didn't want to make it palatable. We're not here to make things palatable for, for the oppressor. You know, this is what it is. I mean, the film has some strong language in it. Uh, the film is very raw, like you talked about, and very heavy. You've seen it. Um, and we did that on purpose. We asked them, did you want to leave certain names in here of businesses, of, you know, corporations, and the person that that wronged you? And, and some of the people say, yeah, I do. Some people said no, you know, fearful of reprisals or retaliation, which is a very real fear. You know, this film was filmed in 2019. You know, so people, you have to realize... This isn't now where we're starting to see a plethora of stories coming out. I think recently we just saw something with uh, Roberts. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name that just came out where he talked about, you know, he thought he was going to have this big break on heroes and it didn't happen because he had to deal with racism on the job. We've got executives coming out, you know, talking about their experiences uh, that's been in the New York Times and other publications and so forth. And so now you have this, quote, awakening. And I put that in quotes because I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about it, to be quite honest with you. Um that we're here to say you know we're gonna put this front and center and this film is what it is it's in your face it's uh just the truth you know nothing extravagant about the film is very simple in design uh because the story itself is told by the storytellers um and so yeah um you know i'd like to see it win an academy award or naacp image award or something like that yeah we'd love all of that but the bottom line to the core of who we are we know that we want this film to liberate Black folks, like Tosca said, and so we're centered in that, and we can go from there.
3: And I want to just add one thing, Zach um, and Cedric, and I talk about this a lot too, is you know, with, there are so many articles and interviews coming out, you know, about you know Black folks' experiences in the workplace, and I would just want to make sure that people don't forget that when we say working while Black, we mean all workers, we mean those workers who. Um, uh, you know, typically don't have a voice, uh, typically who are paid under the table, uh, make minimum wage laborers, our essential workers, you mm-hmm. know, um, every time I look around, we're interviewing, you know, interviewing, um, you know, executives and actors and actresses and VPs and, you know, uh, people who make substantial, uh, a substantial amount of money and who also have power well we want to make sure and just like in our film we interview people who typically don't have any power who are laborers you know um, you know nursing assistants you know cnas you know they work at mcdonald's or whatever i just want to make sure that it is not lost that workers mean all workers <laughs> working means all working black people and and if you have an opportunity to advocate for someone for some of the most marginalized voices uh, you know in our community absolutely do that because sometimes they don't have the power so i just want to make sure that that everyone is included when, I, when we say working while black or black folks working in the in the uh, work environment or in the work environment
0: um you know this has been a great conversation before we let you go where can folks learn more about 2bs if folks want to support what are the things that they can do
2: well we do have a website uh zach uh it's uh, to be us productions.com T O B E U S productions.com where we have all our social media handles and all that kind of stuff there for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook. Uh, we do have our trailer there as well. And that's pretty much the, the, the best way to see us, uh, and, and get in contact with us. We also on the website have a working while black, share your story, uh, tag, that you can use as well, and you can put in your story. We won't, you know, use your name or anything like that. But we want to act as also an area where people can vent and put their story there. Uh, maybe we use it later on as an example. Not, of course, uh, putting that person's name out there or or any identifying uh, characteristics uh, to their story. And so that's where you can you can find us. I mean, we we I don't know what film festival we have coming up. I think the Denton Black Film Festival. Uh, is going to be the next film festival that we come up, and I think it's going to be a virtual one as well. We're kind of we're kind of in this transition mode of pandemic and getting vaccines now, and people being hopeful that people will gather together. I personally I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be an in person deal in Denton. I think it's going to be in January, uh, and you can find out once you you know go to our website, you'll see. What film festivals we are in, or if you follow any of our our uh, social media handles, you can see again what uh, film festivals we are in, which allows the person to view the film in the film festival setting, if you will. And that's where we are. I mean, we'd like to make other films. We have a a list of other films we want to do. We have topics that we want to cover. But again, you know, just like any business, um, you know, we put money into this film. Uh, we'd like to make money off of this film so we can make more films and, and additionally hire other black creatives. I mean, we were really then get into it, but this film uh, in the pre-production stage had all black folks. We're talking about videographers, line producer, animator, editor, the person that made our music, uh, music director, our still photographer. these were black folks and we very we were very intentional about that. I mean, imagine telling or working with a black story but looking out in the audience or I guess the audience of camera people and crew that is white folks <laughs> you know i mean that's i just don't think you would get the most authentic of experience from them because it was really a collective experience that we experienced when we filmed this film
0: i love that i love that well look, i gotta thank you both um, we will make sure that we put all the information in the show notes it's a great film it's been a great conversation thank you both we'll talk soon
2: thank you zach thank
3: you zach have a good day
0: And we're back. Look, I'm really, really excited and I'm thankful for all the growth we've been able to achieve this year. Right. We got Westwood one. We launched a new podcast. We launched some web shows. We've done a lot. (laughs) We've done a lot. Got some sponsorships like we're actually we're cooking, you all like we're actually growing. And that's because of y'all, you know, selfishly, I have to admit as challenging and exhausting as 2020 has been for me personally. Living corporate seen some incredible growth and that. Isn't possible without you. So I want to thank you. Now, if you're listening to this and this is your first time listening or this, let's, let's just say it's like your 20th time listening and you haven't given us five stars on that Apple podcast, I need you to stop what you're doing. Pull over to the side of the road. You know what I'm saying? Keep your mask on. But just go on the little Apple app and just, you know what I'm saying? Give us five stars. Don't give us four. Don't be a hater. Give us five stars. Share it with a friend or two. And you know what I'm saying? Then get back to your day. All right. All right. We'll be back soon. Catch y'all later. Peace.
1: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.